2 Corinthians chapter 3. Would you please stand for this reading of God's Word? I'm going to read verse 12 through 18 of 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 12 says, Therefore, having such a hope, we use great boldness in our speech and are not like Moses who used to put a veil over his face so that the sons of Israel would not look intently at the end of what was fading away. But their minds were hardened. For until this very day, at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because it's removed in Christ. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Father, bless now this reading of God's Word. Bless these who are standing and those who in their hearts are honoring the Word of God, even if they can't physically stand. Holy Spirit, we invite more of Your presence now. Come and touch lives with Scripture. Lord, come and do what You want to do in this place. We honor Your presence. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. I'll please be seated. There are different veils in Scripture. And what the Apostle Paul is doing here, he's he's writing to the Corinthians because he's heard that they have some problems with his ministry. He doesn't have these degrees like some of the philosophers had. He doesn't have these signed letters of commendation. And he tells them in this chapter, you're our letter. You're changed life. We don't need commendation from man. God has done a powerful work in your life and in your heart. But if he doesn't get this message across to them, he's concerned that they might start listening to these other teachers that start telling them of a different gospel. And he even said to the Galatians, he said, if I or an angel from heaven were to come preaching a different gospel, let him be accursed. There is no other gospel. There is no other Jesus. There's no other Savior. There's no other God. So he's got to write this to him because he's concerned. And what he starts doing is he compares himself to those other teachers. And then he has to compare himself to Moses. And then he compares the, the new covenant to the old covenant. And in doing that, the awesome thing that's said here is, is this revelation to us of what we now have in the new covenant. And don't miss this. What we have is the presence of God. There's different veils in Scripture. Did you notice the different veils as I read through here? Moses had a veil. There's a veil over the heart. Please notice, look down in chapter 4 if your Bible's still open. Chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. It says, even if our gospel is veiled. See, there's another veil. It's veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world, that's Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they cannot see the glory of God that shines in the face of Christ. And so while I'm preaching right now, it's like Satan has some people veiled. And they cannot, I can be t- saying all kinds of things of how awesome Jesus is, 
But Bruce cannot receive it because the evil one has blinded his eyes to this glory that's going on. Alicia, would you and Jonathan, would you come up and give me a hand? In Matthew 27, the veil is rent in two from top to bottom, which I'll just spread that out and I want you to cover up the pulpit area if you would. Top to bottom. Now, I I had to look this up. That's a 60 foot high veil. Eight inches thick. Do you remember the power teams of years ago? It used to come and rip up those, you know, three inch phone books, you know, and then bend the frying pans and all that. Eight inches thick and it, it tore from the top to the bottom. So it wasn't like a bunch of priests got in there and just, you pull on that side and you pull on that side, you know, and, and ripped it. What happened with that veil was the cross made a way for the presence. In the Older Testament, before the tabernacle was constructed, Moses, Exodus 34, he comes down from the mountain and he's got the presence of God on him. And it freaks out some people. You know, you want to know why? Because the presence of God scares people, even God's people. And even in times when we've had the presence of God show up here, it has freaked out some people. Well, it's kind of hard when the glory and the presence of God hits you. It's kind of hard to be dignified and polished. I mean, when Jesus unveiled his glory, do you remember Peter, James and John go up with him? Peter, James and Andrew, Peter, James and John go up with him on the Mount of Transfiguration and he shows his glory and they fall down like they're dead. The presence of God. This is what we have in the new covenant. So Moses comes down and So they're not all scared. He veils his face. Now hold that up, if you would, a corner. And as that glory fades, he he begins to raise the veil again. But then it's time for him to go into what's called the tent of meeting. It's not the tabernacle. It's not the temple. And when he goes in there, could you all raise it up a little higher? I mean, okay, thank you. I mean, how... And so when he goes in here, he's now he's seeing the glory, the presence of God. He's talking to God like a man talks to a friend face to face. Amen. And when he's finished, he comes back out. And he's got to cover it up again. And what the Apostle Paul says is we. With unveiled face. Drop it down are beholding the glory of God. The veil's been rent. We got entrance into the presence and the presence comes with us. Okay, would you lift it up one more time? Here's the problem a lot of times with Christians is they don't understand the difference between the omnipresence, the concentrated presence, and the manifest presence of God. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere All the time, even if I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. Thou art there. He's everywhere all the time. But in Israel, he was concentrated. And they knew that he couldn't fit into a tabernacle or a temple or a holy of holies. Isaiah 66, the highest heavens can't contain you. But he was concentrated in their midst. You follow with me? And he was in that concentrated place. Moses got to get into that Presence. Now, 
Holy Spirit is here with us. You believe it? I believe it. He is here with us now. But what happens is he then manifests, drop it, he manifests his presence. And when he does that, he shows up. And sometimes it's, well, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 tells us what it is. Love, signs, wonders, miracles, gifts of healings, prophetic words, accurate words given, to where unbelievers will fall down in your presence and say, surely God is among them. Now, isn't that something that an unbeliever can identify it? And yet, believers oftentimes cannot identify it. All right. How am I doing? Oh, man, I'm doing great. Hallelujah. Okay, look with me. Back to our Bibles. Here we go. Verse 12. Therefore, having such a hope, we use great boldness. Okay, when you get into the presence of God and His presence is in you, three things you'll notice. Boldness. Now, boldness is not arrogance, is it? Because he has said in this chapter over in verse 5, we're not saying we're adequate in ourselves. He's humble and he's bold. This is awesome. Jesus was humble and Jesus was bold. Amen? You'll have boldness. You'll have freedom. Did you see that? Verse 17, or the Spirit... Uh, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. You'll have freedom. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Now it's for freedom that Christ set us free. Beloved, stand firm in your freedom. Only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the fl- flesh. Where the Holy Spirit is, and the presence of God is, and the manifest presence, there's freedom. There's freedom. You'll have boldness. You'll have freedom. And you'll have transformation. There is no way you can come into the manifest presence of God and know that He's touched you, know that He's spoken to you, know that He's done something in through you, and not be transformed. Do you see the transformation on verse 18? And the transformation is from glory to glory. So Moses' face was fading while he puts his veil over his head. And what happens with us is we go from glory to glory. We keep increasing and increasing and growing and growing and growing. I'm telling you, one of the biggest enemies facing the church today is the spirit of arrival. I've arrived. I've just, no, none of, I haven't arrived. None of us have arrived. We're not home yet. And God is still taking us from one degree of glory to another degree of glory where what we are supposed to be doing is reflecting and shining forth the glory of who God is. See, be careful, Christian, when you say things like this. I don't feel God in this place. Why not? Because what Colossians 1.27 tells me is, Christ is in me. The hope of glory. So any place I go into, I ought to feel God in that place. You see what I'm saying? And quite honestly, I want the demons to feel it. And feel very uncomfortable. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil. And he will. So are demons running toward you or are they running from you? 
Now, there are some different layers to veils. You notice how he said in this verse that their minds were hardened. Verse 14. You ever known anyone who's hard-headed? All right, you're looking at somebody, in case you don't know. Hard-headed, but there's a deeper problem. Verse 15. Back to your Bible. Verse 15. To this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. So there, you see, there's this deeper problem of the heart. But know this, beloved, that at any moment a person turns to the Lord, veil is removed. It's like when you say, God, if what this preacher is saying might even be remotely true and I really could be changed, I really could be forgiven, then God, I want it. If what he's saying is, is true, that God, do you really love me? And you sent your son, and he died on the cross for my sins, and he raised from the dead and purchased a place in heaven for me. And if I'll just believe, I can have this. God, I want it. And the moment that happens, that veil is removed. Does this make sense? But there's some layers to the veils. Come on now. There's some layers. There's some layers. That Eight inch thick one had like 16 uh, plates all put together to make that veil that rent in two. There's some different veils in your heart. And the first veil I want to point out, this is things, we're talking about the presence. These are things that are keeping you from experiencing more of God's presence. Do you want more of God's presence in your life? Do you want more of his presence to manifest in your life? There are things that will, it's like there's little threads that are left over from the veil that's been removed. And the first I would share is unbelief. This gospel has blind, the evil ones blinded the minds, verse four of chapter four of the unbelieving. It's the, this unbelief that comes at some Christians that you, or some people, you don't believe you could ever really be changed. That you don't really believe you could be transformed. Once and forever. And, and the things that you're trying to get a hold of or get rid of right now, that somewhere deep down your side, inside of you, the devil has convinced you to believe his lie rather than the truth of the Holy Spirit. It's a veil of unbelief. And there's a bunch of Christians who have it. They don't really believe they can be free. They don't think they can be free from lust. They don't think they can be free from gluttony. They don't think they can be free from foul language. And they'll make up excuses. That's why they don't think they can be free of anger. Well, I'm Irish. This is the kind of things that, whoa, time out. Are you Christian? Beloved, you can be free. You can be free. Man. Okay. That's my two-minute drill. Some don't believe they can be healed. It's the, you believe God heals, and he does. This is where I used to be. I believed God would heal. I just didn't believe it was normative. You follow with me? I just didn't believe it really would happen like at that moment and when I prayed for somebody. And that veil of unbelief kept me from pressing in and seeing God's hand at work, which was his presence showing up.
This past week, I gave a word for kidney stones. I just sensed somebody needed prayer, maybe had pain in kidney stones. About a 24, 25-year-old man comes up and lets me pray for him. And his pain went uh, from a 7 all the way down to a 1. But I used to have a veil of unbelief about these things. And, and I'm saying this because I want you to think about what sorts of things are you not believing? Jesus said, do not be unbelieving, but be believing. In Brazil, I stepped out of one of the meetings and I went to the restroom. And I sense I heard the Lord say, Steve, your biggest problem is doubt. That would not have been what I thought my biggest problem was. Honestly, I would have thought it would have been something else. And I'm not going to tell you. And I literally said, okay, Lord, I hear you. I think. You follow me? I think. I think I hear you. Now, I didn't hear an audible voice. Why do I think God said it to me? Because I was thinking about something totally different. Does this ever happen to you? You're thinking about pizza. And all of a sudden, your biggest problem is doubt. Unbelief. Unbelief. I do believe. Help thou my unbelief. Here's the second veil, and I'll finish with this. This veil, this thread of unforgiveness. Uh, Some people really don't believe that God will forgive them. When it comes to forgiveness, you need to receive it first. First, you got to receive it. You got to realize that you're not going to stand before God someday and tell him how you tried to be good and therefore he ought to let you into heaven. No, you got to receive the forgiveness that Jesus provided for you on the cross. And then you got to believe it. So if you're like I am, sometimes you'll wake up 3 a.m., 4 a.m., and the devil's just reminding you of all those things you did, or like Bruce brought up in the Lord's Supper, the things we should have done that we didn't do. And I have to believe that I really am forgiven. If I don't believe I'm forgiven, you ever think I'm going to step through this veil and get face to face with the glory of God? But the blood of Jesus cleanses us of all, say all, all sin. So this is why humility is not recognizing we're filthy sinners in the presence of a holy God. If that's the case, then the Apostle Paul never could be humble. And the Apostle John could never be humble. Because John's the one who wrote and said, the blood of Christ cleanses us of all sin. You are now clean. Believe it. You are clean in God's sight. Receive it. Believe it. And here we go. Number three, release it. Release it. Didn't Jesus say, right after he teaches the Lord's Prayer, doesn't he say, if you don't forgive others, neither will your Father forgive you. When you get into the presence of God, and the presence is in you, but it becomes more manifest, ask him who you haven't forgiven. Can I give you a good, um, what I think was good because it worked with me? Go through your contacts in your phone. And see what happens in your heart when you see a few names that you forgot were even in your contacts. Your calendar, a few names that you put in the calendar. and uh, 
Oh, he's still in here, is he? Time out. What's happening with that? we got to release forgiveness. You want to know why this is so important? You will not experience as much of the presence of God in your life as long as you hold on to unforgiveness towards somebody else. And some of you really need to forgive yourself. Some of you really, I don't know who, I just know because I live in this world too. Some of you really, really, really need to forgive yourselves. When you have God's presence show up in your life, he gives you peace. When you have God's presence manifest in your life, he gives you power. And you have abilities to do things you normally wouldn't have been able to do. I don't know what you're thinking right now about abilities to do things that you normally wouldn't do. But I'm talking about the ability to get up out of bed even when you're depressed. To keep pressing on even if you're going through the worst trial of your life. And to not only be a bystander, but get out of the bleachers and get down onto the field. I heard it said recently, everybody loves a pep rally. A pep rally isn't the same as game day. And what happens in the church is you have about 12 to 24 exhausted people down on the field and thousands of people up in the bleachers (laughs) desperately in need of some exercise. When you get the presence of God in your life, I I saw that from a professor one time. But when you get the presence of God in your life, you find the ability to do things that you never, ever would have been able to do otherwise. So we, with unveiled face, behold the glory of God in the face of Christ. If you have never turned to Jesus or you're ready to, maybe you've drifted and you're ready to, then you need to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to give you the life that he wants you to have and that you're going to give up trying to live that life you've always tried to live. And if you would like us to pray with you, to walk you through that, we'll be more than happy to do that. But whatever else might be going in your li- on in your life, Lord Jesus, would you bless now these words that have been said and these folks who have patiently listened pray that they would receive today everything that you want them to receive. And we thank you for freedom. We thank you for the freedom that reigns in this place. We thank you for the freedom in this country. And God, guard us from using our freedom as an opportunity of the flesh. We want to be closer to you. We want to draw into your presence. So Lord Jesus, come now. Holy Spirit, come. Come and manifest yourself. I pray that you'd even begin touching some people now that they would feel you and sense your presence. Would you bless with comfort and peace, strength. God, help us to keep pressing on. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Right, any of you that want to come forward, please come up. We'll be happy to pray with you.